0: Your son, is gone. He was weak and foolish like his father. So I destroyed him.
1: Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger.
0: The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy
1: for the emergence to begin how long do we have
0: seven days
1: hello and welcome to the <laughs> week in foolish movie podcast i'm your host today joe bang with me is michael hello michael Hello there, and that's it. We're we're riding like the old days, just the two of us. Uh, we're gonna try to hold the fort down while Albert is on vacation and Paul is busy watching another Criterion Collection film. <laughs> <laughs> as as we do today, we are excited to discuss Marvel Studios' latest entry, Eternals. The Eternals. Uh, uh, <laughs> just launched straight into the synopsis anyway the synopsis is the Eternals a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on earth for thousands of years reunite to battle the evil deviants before we get going on this movie if this is your first time joining us first of all thank you Um, we really appreciate that Um, what we usually do is we have a section where we don't have any spoilers so that if you haven't seen the film yet, you can join us for this part of the discussion. And then we will have a spoiler portion afterwards where we go into story details. And boy, will there be a lot of that today. But before we get into that, let's let's hear from you, Mike. Uh, what did you think of Marvel Studios' Eternals? All right. Uh, this is going to be a long answer
0: because I kind of <laughs> want to give uh, some background on... Just Ooh, let's go. This project. Um, I had no idea what The Eternals were uh, when it was announced, I think back in 2019 at Comic-Con. Uh, the last time I felt this way about a, a new Marvel movie being announced was uh, when Guardians of the Galaxy uh, w- was announced at, at Comic-Con. And of all the Phase 2 movies... I was like, what in the world is Guardians of the Galaxy? Like I knew Thor, I knew Captain America since I was a kid, but Guardians of the Galaxy was really bottom of the barrel, kind of peripheral type characters. And we all know how that turned out, right? Like Marvel Studios has shown that they can take really obscure properties and IP and turn them into A-listers. And what really got me excited about Eternals wasn't really the cast, and we know the cast is really stacked, right? It's a beautiful looking cast, really talented actors. Uh, But for me, it was who was behind the camera. It was Chloe Zhao uh, being announced as the director. And that was what was so exciting to me because I was already a fan of her work uh, in The Writer. Uh, That was one of my favorite movies from that year that it was released. And obviously last year's uh, Nomadland, which was awesome. And Chloe Zhao, if you're not familiar with her style, I'd like to describe her as kind of like Terrence Malick in terms of cinematography. Uh, Her films are just filled with beautiful sweeping landscape shots and just people walking around in dramatic locations with sunlight pouring out into the frame. Uh, But unlike Malick, I think her movies are full of life and soul and heart. And this is not a knock on Terrence Malick, uh, but I think his films can feel a little bit cold and alienating. Uh, She's known for casting non-actors in her films so that she can recreate authenticity in her stories. And she's really known for really honing in on those human stories and and human triumph against difficulties, uh, against the backdrop of middle America. And uh, she kind of gives a voice to people groups or, 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 you know, people in America who we don't really know exist, you know, uh, those of us who live out here on on the coast. Uh, So I really appreciate her films and and her style and what she brings to cinema. And, you know, uh, the MCU isn't really known for producing great looking movies, right? So many of their films are shot against a green screen in a studio lot. Um, I, I just watched Captain America Civil War last night, showed a couple friends who have never seen it before. And the airport battle scene looks so CGI'd that you think you're looking, you're watching an animated movie. The only <laughs> people who are real are the actors. In some shots, nothing is real. Um, and even simple scenes like people standing on top of a building and talking, uh, those are shot against a green screen and it looks terrible to be honest and i think the, probably the worst example that i could think of off the top of my head was thor ragnarok where uh thor and loki find odin at the at an ocean cliffside and that whole <laughs> sequence looked just so awful like nothing looked real it looked like they just copied and pasted uh, uh chris hemsworth and tom <laughs> hiddleston uh, on into this like oh yes like disgusting like backdrop And I think it's even worse when you watch the trailer for um, Thor Ragnarok and you see the same sequence with Thor versus Hela. They're facing off, but it's in an alleyway instead of the ocean cliffside. Um, So really, they could just drop in whatever background they wanted. I I guess, you know, it's cheaper and easier to do that. You don't have to fly the actors out. But, uh, you know, the Eternals completely disrupts that trend in the MCU because of Chloe Zhao. And I know that she advocated for shooting on location in real places. And that totally paid off. Uh, yes. Eternals is easily the best looking MCU film ever, like hands down. Uh, nothing can compare to it. Uh, th- those are real sunsets. Those are real waves, real beaches, uh, real hills. And it looks real, be, uh, with the, especially with the Eternals standing in these gorgeous locations. Uh, it, because of that, it, it has so much more weight uh, mm. to to the shots. And I think the costume designs and the overall look of, you know, uh, the world building, uh, it, it, it's all awesome. Like uh, The ship itself in, in this movie reminds me of the monolith from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yes, I agree. Yes. Yeah and um you know uh Gemma chan is the co-lead in the film um i thought she was elegant and i think it's very cool that two mcu movies now in a row we've had an asian lead i think that's awesome i never thought yes. that, that we would see this you know and uh, you know just watching some of the older movies like uh winter soldier um you know, the first Avengers movie, it's like the league of white people, <laughs> but you know, it's a very different MCU now. And it's a very diverse MCU. I'm, I'm glad that we got the cast that we got in this movie. Yeah. And I also want to shout out Richard Madden, uh, who is Rob Stark from game of Thrones. And I will be talking about game of Thrones later, <laughs> more yes. later. but, but Richard Madden is a great actor. And and I think he really needs to be in more movies. I hope you see more of him in uh, MCU and, you know, with, Eternals they took a big risk. Marvel and Kevin Feige took a massive risk with this movie because they departed from the usual MCU formula in a lot of ways. Not every single way but in a lot of ways they departed from that and I think 24-25 movies in they can afford to kind of change things up and I'm glad they did it and I can't be grateful enough that we got a movie like Eternals where you know We have a studio that's well-established, that has a formula, but they're trying something a little bit different. With all that said, the movie just didn't work for me.
1: Oh, we were going Uh, so well.
0: (laughs) I think a much better version of this movie exists, and I know this is going to be really controversial, but a much better version exists, and it's called Man of Steel. Uh, and, and it's called Invincible, uh, the anim- Amazon Prime animated show. Uh, my main problem with this movie is that there's 10 main characters. And it really feels like the narrative is spread way too thin. Uh, characters enter the story with uh, a very long history behind them, right? If you watch the trailers you, and you've read a little bit about this movie, it spans thousands of years. I You know, I couldn't find any connection to them. And I wasn't really emotionally invested in any one character because it's just they the movie does so much has to do so much work with juggling 10 new characters. And if you compare this with Guardians of the Galaxy, they only had five, five new characters who and they meet for the first time in that movie. And so I feel like that was our entryway into being invested with the Guardians um and and that's half the amount of characters in eternals right i don't know why they felt the need to cram 10 characters in um i don't i suppose you could think of reasons why but i don't feel like i I was trying to think of reasons why maybe you can talk about it later but i I just don't feel like there's a, a good justification for having that many new characters and um The story itself in Eternals, it just wasn't that interesting to me. Uh, You know, it it has a very massive and cosmic scale. Like I said, it spans thousands of years. But you know, after Avengers Endgame, which spent 20 movies building up to this enormous galactic conflict, that was the all-time high for the MCU, in my opinion. Eternals tries to match that scale with an entirely new group of characters within the span of two hours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think in the end, my main problem with this is that it tried to do way too much in, I mean, it's not a short movie. It's two hours and 30 minutes. But I think in the end, this might have worked better as a Disney Plus show where they could really expand on each character. Uh, they can really expand on some of the themes that this movie was going for. Um, uh, With regards to the worldviews and themes of the movie, uh, there's actually some elements I really didn't like. And uh, I really wanted to talk to you about that. I was actually really looking forward to this conversation. Ooh, yes. Uh, so overall, Job, I know I've been talking for a long time, but <laughs> That's uh, okay. just long story short, TLDR. I admire the craft of the movie far more than the movie itself. Mm. I-, I think in the end, Eternals is too bloated. It takes itself a little too seriously and doesn't really have much fun with its premise.
1: Mm. Thank you, Michael. I don't know why I'm calling you Michael a lot today. Maybe it's just the formality of thousands of years of, I don't I don't know. It's because they're all British in this movie. So yes, that's s- right.
0: Speak more film form- formally. I
1: think I, I have a bit of a British thing going on with watching this film a lot. I, I only watch it once anyway. <laughs> thanks for sharing your thoughts. I am going to say, I disagree with you a lot on this film. Um, and, What's funny is I, I was starting to see the letterboxd reviews coming in uh, on opening night and I was like, oh, here we go. Um, but I came away from it like liking it probably twice as much as everyone in my letterboxd uh, list. So um, agreed with you, Michael, Mike, my-, <laughs> my gosh, I keep saying Michael. I agree with you, Mike, on the craft of this film. It's really strong. It's I, I would actually even posit that it's one of the most well-directed MCU films, I would say. Um, I think Chloe Zhao really brings her genius to the screen, and this does feel very much like one of her films, aside from a lot of CGI use, but that's like Marvel, right? There is a lot of... As far as story goes, there is a lot of what in the world just happened here. There is a lot going on. There's a lot of moments where it's just like, whoa, they they really like skated past that explanation. And normally we like to make fun of exposition in Marvel films. Uh, I I would have liked to have a little more explanation on a few things because of how many characters they had. Like you said, Um, there's a lot of characters in this film but I, where I disagree with you is that I feel like I came away really liking each character. Um, I felt like they did enough with each introduction to get us to like them on an emotional level, though we may not intellectually understand who they are or why they exist or what their abilities are. They just kind of happen. The, the the most iconic uh Thing. I, I actually that's in spoilers i will talk about that later but um i just came away liking them a lot and i felt like the superhero as mythical being concept was tastefully done and sits really well within modern contexts um, um okay
0: so on that note i forgot to mention this but yeah <laughs> yeah these superheroes as uh myths um, Yeah. Uh, this was also better done in a yes. movie called Zack Snyder's Justice League.
1: <laughs> Zack Snyder's. Just, we have to attach Zack Snyder's in front of all his films. Well, have you seen that movie yet? I still haven't. I still haven't.
0: Uh, okay. Well. Okay. We'll going go We'll get there. Yeah, keep um, going.
1: But I was gonna say it's it's a Man of Steel tribute that I think is well done. I, I remember that Chloe Zhao said she was heavily inspired by Man of Steel, actually, as one of the films that oh I didn't know that kind of informed how she approached um, portraying the Eternals as these godlike beings. And I really like as as a history nerd, and I was I was homeschooled for full disclosure, so I read about Gilgamesh and Mesopotamia and all that stuff for history. And so it was kind of cool to see them on screen. It was almost like this nerdy if it, 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 it's like Lord of the Rings fans seeing their film, their book on film for the first time. So that was kind of cool. Um but uh yeah, I I felt overall like this was a really well-made film. I liked the characters. I'll explain why later as we kind of unpack each individual thing. I do feel like Marvel uh, as a as an organization, realized that it was going to be tough for audiences to catch on to all 10 of these new characters. They were posting a lot of, like, meet, Athena, like, videos on YouTube where it's, like, a one-minute summary of each character. And I feel like, as a film, you need to do that work, you know? You can't rely on your social medias or the marketing around it to kind of, like, unpack that for you. Um, because not everyone's gonna be watching that,
0: um, right? I mean, people like me, like I avoided the the trailer exactly. the movie. I I stopped watching anything.
1: Ooh, we gotta we gotta talk about whether that avoiding was good. Oh yes, you. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then let me wrap up, and then I want to circle back to that. Um, there were some scenes in this film that were absolutely not necessary, in my opinion. Um, And we will talk about that later. But overall, I love this film because Marvel took huge swings um, and it has been taking big swings uh, in their last few projects uh, to set up this next phase. And I hope that this risk taking continues. And I hope that the mixed reaction in in the um, in the in pop culture to this film doesn't stop Marvel from continuing to invest in um, directors like Chloe Zhao um so yeah, that's that's my thought on that shall we move into spoilers and uh, an update yeah. on your trailer <laughs> no trailer yeah, yeah, yeah. policy all right let's go spoilers in three two one no no you're still
0: holding on let go
1: all right mike uh tell me so this was a film did you watch the very first teaser for this film I saw the teaser when it first came
0: out. I okay. saw it maybe once or twice, and then that was it. So okay. I don't really remember. I probably had about like four or five images in my head, mm-hmm. and that was it. Um, okay, good.
1: So, yeah. And you uh, did you walk... Uh, so let me see. Did you walk out of the theater when watching other movies when this trailer came on, or were you just covering your eyes for this one? I closed my eyes,
0: and I wasn't really... <laughs> paying attention to what was being said. I heard Thanos' name, so I know that they <laughs> talked about him. Yes. But that was the extent. I didn't really like, yeah, I was just looking on my phone while, you know, not looking at the screen.
1: Oh, got it. Got it. So did that help or hinder the experience for this one? I think it always helps because okay. I actually watched the
0: trailer after I saw the movie and I was shocked by how much they explained uh, you see the Celestials in in the trailer. Yep. Uh, you hear about the connection to Thanos, um, the the big twist and reveal that Salma Hayek gives uh, to uh, was Richard Madden's character's name. Oh, I- Icarus, right? Um, that whole reveal is like partially in the trailer. Oh, and really? I was just yeah that was the opening scene it's uh it's Salma Hayek riding the horse and then yes. she's talking to Richard Madden uh on the farm oh, the emergence that, yeah about the yeah. emergence right and so I was a little bit shocked that they revealed that in the trailer because I thought that was a pretty cool reveal in the in the movie mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't care that much in the movie at that point because I just wasn't I didn't really care about any of the characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, so uh, for me, I, I still, from this experience of not having seen the trailers, I would say I'm going to continue to do this for, for movies that I care about. I'll probably watch the teaser once or twice just to get a sense of what the movie is and the tone. Uh, and then and then I think I'm good. Um, I'm doing that for the Batman. Uh, I've seen the teaser trailer that they released at DC Fandom a year mm-hmm. ago. I watched that teaser trailer probably 50 times. Um, <laughs>
1: And I felt uh-huh. comfortable
0: doing that because they only shot 25% of the movie. Mm. So so I'm like hands off with that movie. I, I mean, I, I, saw, I watched Dune twice in the theaters and, 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 and uh, Eternals, right? Uh, and all three screenings had the Batman trailer. Yes, and it did. So I've been avoiding that. And, but you um, have
1: seen the first frame of that trailer now
0: right yeah it's a yeah. shot of a diner and i yes. immediately knew the first time i saw i like all right i know what this is <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't need to watch any further I was like okay the, the tone and everything this mm-hmm. is gotham city um awesome i i think i think okay so i, I really want to talk to you about just the story yes let's right? talk about it yeah um so just to clarify the story the big reveal uh in, in eternals so there are these beings called celestials. They're essentially like godlike beings, and they seed planets uh, and galaxies with life, and they allow life to grow and evolve until it reaches the pinnacle of intelligence. And then once there's sufficient intelligent life on a planet, uh, there's an event that takes place called the emergence, where a celestial is born out of the planet, and they're therefore destroying that planet. And I thought the Thanos connection was interesting, right? I mentioned in the tra- every time I close my eyes in the tra- in the trailer I hear Thanos's name mentioned a couple <laughs> yes. times. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Thanos's blip uh delayed the emergence. And so when Hulk snapped everyone back into existence, uh, it gave Earth the the necessary number of humans for the emergence. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but I think what would have been really cool is if they connected that to Thanos' backstory in his home planet of Titan, you know, where um, there was supposedly overpopulation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if his planet was a victim of the emergence, right? And then what if Thanos wanted to wipe out half of the living things on in the universe to stop more emergences from happening? Yeah, uh, I think that retroactively makes Thanos an even more interesting villain character. And, you know, that... I always felt like that overpopulation motivation was a little bit weak. Yeah. Uh, you know, every, anytime a character's motivation to, to wipe out people because of climate change or whatever, ecological destruction, I, I, I always <laughs> think that's a little bit weak. But I think sure. if it was fueled by this, by the emergence, I think that makes it so morally complex for Thanos, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Do you snap away half the population of the universe? to save you in, in order right and save worlds right he's doing a good thing in his mind but you're not giving the people the choice right what if you know so I anyways there's so many dynamics to that I felt like could have been explored and that really could have been the the, the crux of the story mm. Um, but I felt like that was a really huge missed opportunity I don't know what what did you think about the whole
1: celestial thing and yeah that whole reveal it's it's possible that well about the Thanos thing, it's possible they go back and retcon that in a future film, especially given what happens in the um, in the mid credit teaser as well, um, which we might explore later. But um, see
0: if they, OK, so yeah, if they brought that in in the mid credits, like, dude why didn't you just use this
1: like in the movie? <laughs> I could see made a stronger movie. I could see them thinking we got to give the Eternals cast their full story. It's almost like um don't bring Darth Vader into something uh too soon or too much, right? Like or else he'll just take over the whole story. And I feel like Thanos is that kind of presence where he would just if it was about Thanos again a- after um after endgame and everything has happened it might just end up like distracting from what they're trying to do and that is to make this about a moral choice that supposed automatons or like robots basically that the eternals are designed as robots to just carry out a purpose but them exhibiting free will i think that's the theme they were going for um can we maybe hear about how Thanos actually was motivi- motivated in this way as well? Maybe we will in the future story, but I think it needed it to be about the Eternals in this one, for better or worse. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's fair. Um,
1: Whether it's right I, or wrong, you know, it's yeah. just like they had to focus on these characters. Like you said, there's there's 10 characters they need to like <laughs> make us love and and appreciate and for all the romance and and stuff between them too and i think if they talked about thanos too much it would be a little like um distracting. well i mean like story. you said
0: you wanted more exposition dumps uh in this movie yeah and i think i mean it could easily be like a couple of lines of dialogue you know i'm not sure, i don't think i'm sure. asking for like a huge like i don't want it to be about thanos but at least like have have some more connective tissue too because mm-hmm. i mean every every uh every movie since endgame has addressed the blip in some way and i feel like for eternals that's a big deal the blip yeah. really like had something to do with the emergence uh so i think that connection would have been really cool yeah um,
1: anyways that's fair that's fair yeah should we talk about some other plot holes or was that the main thing you were thinking of
0: Yeah, uh, something else I thought was, something that I thought was really dumb was, uh, so I'm going to read this. It's about the deviants. Okay. So, uh, you know, we talked already about how the Celestials have been planting their seeds on populated planets, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. For new Celestials to be born. And on Wikipedia it says, uh, the deviants are sent by the Celestials to destroy the apex predators of each planet. To ensure the development of life, however, when the deviants evolved and began hunting the planet's native populations, the Celestials created the Eternals to call them. <laughs> I think mean, that's so. I, I had to like, like I thought I was misinterpreting the story, but that's really what it is. And so the Eternals were created because the Celestials made a mistake with the deviants, and that's just really dumb. Uh, Celestials. <laughs> For for these godlike beings, like, w- shouldn't you have more control over Ooh. like these science experiments than, you know, uh, <laughs> letting the, letting your little like science experiment run amok and then you have to like s- like correct it somehow? I think I don't know. I thought that was dumb.
1: Ooh, wouldn't you say that? Shouldn't God have more control over his sinful people? Well, these and are not allow them to. Destroy creation?
0: Uh, clearly, these are not the God. This is not the God <laughs> of the Bible. So I know, but, you
1: know... The, they're, they're pretty dumb. <laughs> they are pretty dumb. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they're supposed to be villainous. I think we're supposed sure. to come away feeling like these celestials are actually not benevolent deities, right?
0: Well, well for the celestials, I mean, if you just think about it purely... Purely in terms of evolution, like these celestials are just out for their own uh, reproduction, right. right? They want to birth more celestials, mm-hmm. and in a sense, that's what nature is all about, right? It's about, right. it's about surviving and reproducing, and yeah. that, I mean, in the end, the celestials, yes, they're supposed to be godlike, but they're in in the end, they're just like creatures. Um, so sure. I felt like that kind of diminished their their. You know, it's kind of presented. They're they're such these majestic beings,
1: but they're actually kind of it kind of cheapened it for me. Yeah, yeah. They, it it did it, it does it did seem a little like what were you guys thinking? You know, with the deviants and such. Yeah. Um, I felt well, like also yeah. I mean, go ahead. Going back to the the
0: their robots, right? The Eternals are robots, and then that the fact that they can rebel, man. If arshem and all these Celestials are so powerful, and they created these robots. Why can't they just like turn them off? I mean, they're robots, right? They're not humans. Uh I I that that's something I didn't get. Maybe I only watched the movie once. So I yeah. uh, uh I'm I didn't did you
1: <laughs> am I the only one who <laughs> No, I think there's there's real questions to to like what were the Celestials thinking and making these beings? Um and it seems like um At least in the mechanics of this story, uh, these celestials can't continue to reproduce themselves without, like, civilizations growing. And I think their whole thing is that civilizations can't grow without, like, the... Uh, I'm starting to... this explanation's starting to fall apart here, but... Um, so, so <laughs> yeah, so clearly the movie doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> okay. What? Uh, so, what what did you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let me let me. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about the themes of and the worldviews sure. that we've yeah, seen yeah, yeah, in yeah, let's this talk film. About that. So, uh, I was playing obviously Devil's Advocate with that question. Um, I felt like this movie kind of was like an anti God type of message and I don't know that it's as oblique as that where like Chloe Zhao is trying to or whoever wrote this movie is trying to say like god is evil and all that stuff but it it kind of shines a light on like the concept of a deity or like an all-powerful being who like creates things I think Arisham essentially is god in this story um and not a benevolent god um but he does have his servants carry things out um but i think this whole film and i think when we so okay logically and story mechanics wise like we said it kind of doesn't seem to make sense right the celestials method doesn't seem to make sense but i think we are meant to take that perspective from the eternals our heroes who also realize this doesn't make sense like why would you wipe out life to create life that doesn't make any sense and the choice of free will to rebel against that is i think the theme of this film is like to rebel against god or to rebel against our intended purpose um it's obviously not a perfect comparison to the christian belief like we said but um i think it's to kind of show like this is the like the deities will and it has always and it was it has always come to pass planets have died thousands of times to birth these these celestials but this time for some reason this time this batch of eternals decided to rebel and to save the planet and i think the theme of it is like earth is worth saving and the people of earth are are worth like rebelling against your very nature. Um, So that's what I liked about it is that like the overall like theme of rebellion is a very interesting concept to me. Um, And I think I had to realize that if I want, if I started to like try to piece everything together, it would start to fall apart. But I will also say, I think that Marvel um, does this, thing where it kind of like throws everything at you and on first watch it doesn't all make sense I had the same impression when we watched Endgame there were a few times when I was just like wait that time travel thing doesn't make any sense or that there's a hole here or you know do you know what I mean but yeah I know what you mean I, I had the same issue with Endgame yeah but, but here's the thing though Endgame was so much
0: fun <laughs> yeah of course like, of course it, like, of course. it, it, it didn't to me, like, it didn't matter mm-hmm. whether the time travel mechanics made sense because they were going into Avengers. They were going yeah. into Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that was all so much fun. And this movie is not fun. <laughs> Let's just say that <laughs> it's, it's a bit it's of a, a... It's really It's depressing. very serious. Yeah. I mean, Kamal Nanjiani is the bright spot, I think, in the movie. He's very funny. But yeah. aside from him, like... It's a pretty humorless affair, which is really surprising for a Marvel movie. That's but, hey, You know, like, like you know, it is a departure, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I can't fault them for that. But um, when th- so many, so much of this movie doesn't make any sense, uh, I think that's when that's when you have so like it's it's very clear that the problems are more glaring. I think. Yeah. Because I wasn't having as much fun.
1: Yeah, that's fair. But I guess my point was, after watching Endgame a couple more times, the supposed plot holes started to make sense because we were, I was catching the details that they sew okay. into it. And so I feel like if we'll ever rewatch a film like this, some of the like methods will start to make a little more sense. Um, but again, it's like, shouldn't, shouldn't a movie like get you on first watch? Like it shouldn't rely on you to like have to watch it again and again. Right. Right. So, and
0: yeah. And, and, and you know on that note about watching it again uh, I feel less compelled to watch it again because mm-hmm. it was such a like a dreadful experience uh almost yes like I yeah. mean yeah like very dreary not not a lot of joy in in the film mm-hmm. um on the theme uh I, I think since we're still talking about themes and, yeah. and you know um the eternals right they they're sent on this mission by a celestial. Uh, but once they discover the the real the true purpose behind their mission, uh, they have to rebel against their creator. And uh, and and the reason why is because all of the years the thousands of years that they've been here on Earth, they they fall in love with humanity. Uh, though they're flawed, they have inherent worth and value. Mm-hmm. We've seen this so many times before in so many other shows and movies. <laughs> so I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, "Oh, great! Here we go again with this, uh, you know, hmm. this kind of story." I I thought, okay, how about this? What if, what if the Eternals observed the opposite? They saw how terrible humanity was, all these wars and you know, uh, and, and just terrible things that humans do to each other and to civilizations. Um, but still, they chose to save humans despite their shortcomings because they see an opportunity to lead them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they see the Avengers, and they realized, and they from seeing the Avengers, they realized their purpose. Hey, maybe it's not to destroy worlds, but actually there's potential here to lead these people to the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned a, compa- a much better version of this movie was Man of Steel. And, and because in that movie, you know, Jor-El sent Kal-El to Earth for him to decide it's, it's really, you know, but that was his purpose, right? He wanted Cal right. to say, Hey, are these people worth saving? And then he, he, uh, he tells, he tells Calo that you can be, uh, a great people. No, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm quoting the, the original Superman, <laughs> but is it in the end? They, they're saying the same thing, right? right? Uh, mm-hmm. you can, you can be a light. You can guide these people. Uh, they will stumble and fall, you know, Yeah. but in the end, right, they'll follow you. And I, there was, again, another missed opportunity, I felt like, with this story. They mm-hmm. they, they had something here. I mean, the, the freaking... Every character is like a Justice League equivalent. Right? We got right. Superman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash in this movie. Um,
1: yes. And then yeah, we had so, a trailer for MCU Batman right before it with Morbius. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um,
0: yeah, so I... Yeah, it it was just frustrating because I'm like, oh, there's sure. so much potential here to be something else, and I think what we got is not the best version.
1: Yeah, I I could I could agree with you there. All in all, like on a world view level of things, um, it it left kind of a sour taste in my mouth after the fact, even though I came away with a lot to like about it, in from a filmmaking perspective, and also just like, I I bought a lot of the emotional beats, um that it was just presented in a way that was really like depressing almost it's like the eternals made their choice in a grudging way they were like ah like i hate that my life is this but we're gonna save this planet anyways and it didn't feel like there was much of a joy to them like or like you know when the avengers defend earth you feel like yeah like they're defending earth right. because they love it you know right um in some cases here it wasn't so much that but it was like a personal rebellion type of scenario for them it's like like a big f you to Arish and basically was what it felt like for this their their motivations um so but like okay so so tell yeah. me what, what what do you like about the movie like does it, it sound, it, sound it, like it, i said it, it, it? <laughs> no it sounds like you're on
0: my side so i'm like uh, so what wh- wh- where does your praise come in for the movie
1: uh, like i said uh the characters of the eternals characters themselves really uh were enough to hook me and i i felt actually i thought that a lot of the action that portrayed them was really cool I felt like um their relationships somehow I bought i i know that like that was a criticism of some folks is that like whoa like they made really big leaps here where they're they're suddenly in love and stuff I kind of got it. Um, I don't know if that's because, um, I'm just like more willing to forgive things in movies like this or, or what it might be. But I like, I bought like the romantic stuff between them, like between Cersei and Icarus. I I bought their, their love. I even bought like the friendship slash love between Thena and Gilgamesh, um, you know, I, I just kind of liked the characters and like to me, that was enough for me to enjoy it in a and come away liking it. Um, I feel like and and th- this is the last thing I'll say on the whole worldview thing. I feel like at this point in the MCU and in po- popular culture in general, I feel like we're in a post religious society almost where like gods are always portrayed as fallen or pawns of something. Um You know, like in the MCU itself, <clears throat> we, the MCU is a universe where gods are fallible and relatable. Like Thor became fat and drank a lot of beer because he was depressed. <laughs> Loki like became like a, a jokester, you know, like a court jester almost, uh, even though he was supposed to be like this, like the big bad in the first avengers you know by this point he's just kind of like in the tva like futzing around somewhere as the multiverse emerges you know um we we have a universe where like mad titans can wipe out ev- half the universe and um we also have ego which is a, a, a star lord's father from guardians of the galaxy 2 um who was a celestial actually and his whole purpose was to just like, like have sex with as many women and aliens, aliens, humans, etc., all over the universe because he wanted to replicate himself. Like, I feel like the worldview of the world almost right now is like, tear down all the gods. God is evil, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I don't like it and I don't accept it as a Christian, but I, I can also separate almost like how I feel on a personal level from like what the film is trying to do. I don't know if that makes sense, but,
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I feel like this kind of deconstruction of, uh, gods and godlike figures and yeah, Messiahs. Yeah. It's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the early, earliest example I can think of in, in like popular culture was, uh, the matrix. And oh matrix yeah. Matrix reloaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, that's like in 2003 when matrix reloaded came out and, um, you know, everyone in, in the year 1999 was obsessed with the matrix. Neo is the one, he is the Messiah. He's going to deliver us from the machines. And then in matrix reloaded, right. We find out that surprise, uh, he's fake. Uh, he's a, a system of control for people. And Matrix of revolutions is dumb because in the end, he became the savior anyways and saved <laughs> saved the humanity and gave himself up, which is just like the actual Messiah that yes. we see in Christianity. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it's like you can't get away with it because you have to have heroes uh, in these stories yeah. Yeah. Uh, in these myths. And um, you know, even uh, Batman versus Batman versus Superman, right? Like they try yeah. to deconstruct these iconic characters and mm. it ended up blowing up in their face. Like people don't want that kind of deconstruction. Luke <laughs> I'm gonna Skywalker. bring it up I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up. you know what? Even though Albert's not here, I'm gonna bring it up. <laughs>
1: that, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I thought we had escaped. <laughs> the last
0: Jedi no, uh. <laughs> like, Hey, you look what happened when you tear down Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Everyone freaking hated that movie. Uh, it's true. except for the except for the critics. You know, but yeah. <laughs> But you know, the people don't elites. like people don't like these icons being torn down. Um, yeah. Now you could do that in this movie because we don't really care about Celestials, we don't care about Eternals really. So I think they had a sandbox here to play with, and they just kind of squandered it. Yeah. Um, man, you know, okay, it's just just seeing you're hearing about your, uh, you know, you're able to forgive and excuse the movie for all its faults. <laughs> I still don't know why you haven't seen Batman vs. Superman. Oh, Net, here we edition. go. <laughs> hey, no, no, because I've been telling you to watch that for five years now, and and Zack Snyder's Justice League. We had an entire podcast <laughs> dedicated to convincing you to watching that. Oh. So wow. so so no, tell me, what is it? Are you just a DC hater?
1: No. Okay. Um. But yes. No, I'm just kidding. I. Uh, I. I hate to just say i don't feel like i have the time because that's not true i i've watched dune and eternals in like the last three weeks and those have been like two and a half hour movies
0: hey you know yeah. just just you know the time that you spent re-watching you know just take a break from it, it replace it with Man, with a bbs but, replace
1: it with a cider cut you know what uh, be- because i'm committed to this podcast and this um this whole idea of forgiving i i'll i'll watch them in the next few weeks how about that yes, yes. and i'll report oh. my findings in, in our f- future episode perhaps yeah
0: we got to do an episode where you finally watch it and then we talk about you it. you
1: heard it here folks for the for those of you who are still listening, mark it at f- about forty-five minutes in this podcast. I will watch. Hey, you know, <laughs> you know what we should do? A
0: we should do a film camp or something. Hey, no, uh, okay, yeah. Those people listening, uh, film camp is basically where we basically waste our life away by watching. Uh, it's not three a waste. Movies. It's for the art. <laughs> it's for the
1: arts. Yeah. Uh, okay. How about that? We'll do in, that. Like,
0: three movies. Three movies uh in one day or something. How but about this we before yeah. this is before we were married. This is before I had kids.
1: So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Those were good times. We we watched a lot of I'm movies. sorry, I I was
0: married, but you weren't married. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have
1: kids. So I think that was the most important thing. Yes, yes. Um so I think I think going back to Eternals, I I still there was still so much to like about it in, from just I don't know. I I felt the scale of how they portrayed everything. Like, I felt. And you did too, because, you know, you were talking about how well made and well shot everything is. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that was enough to get me in. And yes, there's a lot of story points. There were so many. Okay, like, for example, there was a moment where um, Cersei got stabbed, right, in the back. Um,. And it was this big, like, dramatic moment. And then she freaking turned the knife into water, and that was it. Yeah. I was like, why didn't she just do that right away? Yeah. Why did, you know, we just had a, you know, like, there were so many moments like that where I would lean over to my brother who I was watching it with and go like, couldn't they have done that, like, two minutes ago? And he's like, yeah. And so... Yeah. There were a lot of moments like that, a lot of convenient beats. But again, I, well, I can't, and, and, uh, okay. yeah.
0: Uh, and Athena, right? Athena uh fighting that that um deviant who's like kind of humanoid, like Yeah. Yeah. And she gets stabbed, but she's able to like chop its head off or yes. slice it into pieces, right? But I'm yeah. like, why couldn't that buff guy, oh, Gilgamesh, the buff yeah. Asian guy, why couldn't he just do it? Like, why couldn't he do it but Athena could? Uh, it's just a lot of inconsistencies, yeah. you know, it's shout out dumb. to
1: shout out to Gilgamesh actor Madang Suk. <laughs> what his name? I'm holding it up for the screen. His name is Madang Suk. No, it's isn't it Don Lee? Yeah, that's like his anglicized name, but his <laughs> Korean name. We're spending too much time on this. Oh, okay. can I shout out? Uh, I thought Makari, who is played by Lauren Ridloff the um sign language girl i thought she was really likable
0: yeah and the actual actress is actually uh deaf in real life yeah uh, i i thought she was great she's very charismatic um me too acts really well with her face uh yes. i i i kept wondering like oh have i seen her in another movie like mm-hmm. you know why how come i don't remember her she's so uh charismatic with yeah. just expressions you know um I already mentioned Kamal Nanjani Nanj- but uh, I got to also talk about uh, Game of Thrones here. Wait,
1: before you go on, uh, she was in Sound of Metal. Oh, that's okay. where you saw her from. Okay, okay. And then also shout out to Kamal Nanjani for his little finger laser things. I kept yeah, going yeah. like... <laughs> it's so funny. It looks so funny to me. Yeah, like, his, his
0: power kind of reminded me of like an X-Men character, like like yeah. Gambit. Gambit, except he's just shooting
1: it f- or Jubilee. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, Icarus reminded me of Cyclops. Dude. What? Dude, Icarus is straight up Superman. Yeah, that too. That too. But like the laser eye thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. they straight up name drop Superman in this movie.
1: And Batman, right?
0: No, it they was talked just Superman. About...
1: Oh, did really? Did they talk about Batman? I. They did mention Batman as well. And we were like, what? Why are they referencing DC? Is is that like some cardinal sin? But yeah, uh, you were going to say something about another one of the characters.
0: Oh, I wanted to talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's uh Cersei. I will go on record and say, despite the last season of Game of Thrones, uh, it still remains to be my favorite show of all time. I think it's a mm. masterpiece if you just watch seasons uh, one through six, I'm just saying all this because uh, I need to talk about it. <laughs> um, but when Icarus meets Dane Whit- yes. Whitman, oh my God. I, I, <laughs> I yelped Stark. in the th- Yeah, <laughs> Rob Stark meeting Jon Snow. I yelped out loud. I, I, I mean, that was so intentional, right? They, and then, plus Gemma Chan's name was Cersei. Cersei. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they so, both loved Cersei. You know, this could not be a coincidence where you have a scene with these three. They totally orchestrated this. It was intentional. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad they did it. I, I, I love that that was there. And I, I love the casting of these, these actors. These are yeah. really gr- great actors.
1: Oh, um, did you, when Icarus turned on everyone, how did you, what did you feel? Uh, Yeah,
0: like, I mean, it's like what I said, uh, I, I felt nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, there's a twist and uh, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a bad guy. Okay.
1: Oh. It,
0: it, yeah, I just, I didn't really care about what was happening. And mm. I feel like when you have 10 new characters, it's just, it's really, really hard to get invested sure. in any of this. Um, especially when three quarters of the movie is spent like trying to gather everybody together when, you know, like if you think about like oceans 11, right, that was like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. This is like literally two hours of the movie. They're trying to (laughs) get everyone get the band back together. Um, and I was like, wow, really the the whole movie is getting, getting everybody together again. But
1: the flashbacks, the flashbacks.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, and this is this is where Guardians of the Galaxy works better, where you yeah. meet they meet each other. Okay, so I gotta talk about this. Okay, I feel like a better approach. I'm gonna pitch to you what I thought would have been a better approach to uh, this story. I think this movie should have began with Gemma Chan's character Cersei, and she doesn't know who she is. She's just she thinks she's a regular person. Uh, maybe she knows she's age, ageless and she's lived centuries, but she just know, thinks that that's her only power, but she doesn't know why. Uh, so I don't know, whatever. She lives her everyday normal life, right? We have that, you know, a classic like establishing act uh, in, the, in the beginning of the movie. Uh, she's in a relationship with Jon Snow uh, and then the just... Deviants start to appear <laughs> mm-hmm. and they start attacking her and hunting after her, right? And then Rob Stark shows up and saves Cersei. <laughs>
1: Rob Stark.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Rob Stark meets Jon Snow because we got to have that GOT reunion, of course. Uh But and then Rob Stark exposition dumps Cersei and she explains who she really is, who what the deviants are, and how she's connected to this cosmic storyline. And then we find out all the Eternals' memories—they've been wiped out after they fulfilled their mission, you know. And maybe Salma Hayek did this so that they could learn. About the value of human life, as she did. I don't know, like something so, like, rework the story so that we have an in, and the in is Cersei's character.
1: Yeah, um, she was supposed. It seems like she was the main character of this ensemble, right? Yeah. I wish we were spent more time in her headspace. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with you there.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, to cut the cast down in half. Like we don't need ten characters. We just give us five
1: um then it would be like half the eternals would be the title half eternals because i I think they had to get everyone in right like that's the whole thing well no no like just don't have 10 characters just have five you know what this is it's like if they started the mcu with the avengers
0: right exactly or Mm -hmm. or justice league how about that
1: (laughs) yeah i was i wasn't gonna go there
0: yeah, I'm not saying it's a it's a perfect movie, but it, in a lot of ways that the Snyder cut was done way better than yeah. this one. Um, yeah. I know it's a little bit it's longer, it's four hours long, but it did the work of making you care for each character. Yeah, I will right. I will watch
1: it. Don't worry, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I better see it pop up on your letterbox. It's okay, like, okay, a, wait, one yeah, one yeah. maybe I'll yeah. just fill out a review anyways. If I don't see <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, should we talk about, uh, the MCU overall, how this connects and, um, and how it's going to affect the MCU going forward? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the post credit scenes
0: seems to be introducing new threads. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have Harry Styles. Appearing as Thanos' brother. That's right. And I'll be honest, I didn't know who it was. So people in the theater started gasping and cheering when he showed up. I was like, "What? What? What character is this?" And then, and they had to explain to me it's because it's Harry Styles. I'm like, yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, he's Thanos' brother, Eros. Yes. Uh, Eros. My My question is, why doesn't he look big and purple? Yes,
1: I was asking the same thing. All right. Did um, you? So I, I did some research. Did you Did you find out why? I did. I I looked up a Vulture article, um, that sums him up. Uh, first of all, his his alter ego is Star Fox, which Wait. threw me off because my brother kept saying it's Star Fox. I'm like, stop playing with me. Like Star Fox is the N64 guy, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but apparently his name is Star Fox. Um, and the the vulture article is pretty good. It's pretty comprehensive, but I think this sum up of Eros is he is a heroic he is heroic, and a far cry from his villainous brother. He's fought alongside Earth and the galaxy's greatest heroes, but he's not immune to wrecking havoc in the pursuit of pleasure. Thanos' whole deal is death. Eros is is life, and the quest. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and I saw uh, for, further up in the article that. Thanos's purpleness in the comics which is not true in the MCU because we see other Thanos's briefly in a flashback of Titan um and they're all purple and big um was that he he was like a devi- like uh his parents like ended up it was something about the deviants actually he he became like part deviant or something like that well, uh, I I could uh, be wrong. Apparently,
0: the deviant there's a gene in the Eternals, uh, yes, that uh, that is uh, shared with the deviants, right? And so that gene could be turned on, or you know, um, it could show up, yes, uh, from time to time. And so that's why Thanos, unfortunately, he got the short deviant end of the Gen. stick here. Yeah, mm-hmm. he and he ended up looking like a giant purple guy.
1: <laughs> Whereas uh,
0: where Star Fox, he's just a regular. Sexy-looking human.
1: Very sexy. So.
0: All right, so uh, <laughs> I'm assuming Star Fox. So, you know, you asked the question, where is this going to go? Uh, where does the MCU go? Mm-hmm. I think in terms of the cosmic scale, I'm, I'm assuming the Eternals and Star Fox, they will cross paths with uh, Thor and the Guardians. Yeah. As Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yes, the As Guardians. Guard.
0: That, that, that's my assumption. And then they're gonna, I think so, too. And then they're going to deal with more emergence... I mean,
1: things. when when Eros slash Star Fox came into the Eternal ship, there was like rock music and it was like very irreverent. So I, I oh, yeah. I'd imagine it would be very Guardians of the Galaxy ish. Right. Um, and if and we
0: if we uh sorry uh, if we recall ahead. from uh the end critics from Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. Two, uh they're gonna introduce, uh that character, what was that character called?
1: Oh, I don't even remember. Let's see. As we Google this in real time, Guardians of Oh, man.
0: It's a... Uh, I remember from the comics. Oh, it, it was,
1: was Adam Warlock or yeah, something, Yeah, Adam right? Warlock. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I was actually really excited about that. Adam Warlock is like this powerful being. And so I, I think what could be really cool is if, yeah, the Eternals, Star Fox, uh, they mix with the Guardians, Thor, and then you got to fight someone like Adam Warlock, who's like godlike...
1: That's gonna be played by Will Poulter. In the MCU, I believe. Nice.
0: Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe there's a crossover there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw and then that. We have,
1: I saw. Sorry, I saw that uh, in the comics. Eros eventually becomes an Avenger as well. Um, so maybe there, he'll be part of like the next batch of Avengers with Shang Chi and um, whomever. Yeah. is.
0: This new Avengers team is going to be really really weird and crazy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially if Spider-Man's not potentially not going to be around for a while to, oh, yeah. to link up with them. But that's for another podcast altogether. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I think it's going to be up in in space a lot of this. Um but let's just think like I just want to say MCU is going nuts right now. Like we have so many big things being it's going to make the whole Infinity Stone saga feel so small. Like, we've got the multiverse coming. That's going to be crazy. We have yeah. the new Avengers coming. There's Kang, Kang the Conqueror's coming. Arishem's, like, mad at the Eternals. Um, Peter Parker and Doctor Strange are up to whatever they're up to. In, and then... Oh, man, like, it's going to be wild. There's so much but, going on.
0: Yeah, they're, they're not going to be able to fit everybody into one poster, that's for sure. Yeah, and not to um, mention
1: the the last... Let's talk about the last post-credit scene as well with okay. Kit and Harrington.
0: I thought, you know, at the end of Shang-Chi, we find out that the Ten Rings is some kind of beacon. And yeah. It's a lot older than, than Wenwu was. Yes. So... I thought that we were going to find some kind of connection in this movie to Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't get that. Instead, what happens? <laughs> uh, Kid Harrington discovers the uh, what's called the uh, eb- Ebony Sword? Ebony yeah, Sword? Yeah, Ebony Blade. Yeah. Uh, ebony blade. 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 And apparently the voice that speaks to him is Mahershal Ali.
1: Yes. Are you and sure you want have to know it?
0: I had no idea that Blade is connected to this character that <laughs> Kit Harrington plays. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious about that. I've never heard of Black Knight before, uh, who Car- Kit Harington event- eventually becomes. But uh, you know, just seeing some of the the images from the comics, he I mean, Kit Harrington already played Jon Snow. So I'm like, yeah. well, this this is right up his alley.
1: Yeah, he'll he'll be like an Arthurian. I think it's supposed to be connected to King Arthur from in the comics in some way. Oh, the Black be... Knight, just like the Green Knight, and you know that sort of thing.
0: Oh right, uh, a twenty-four MCU movie. Yes, let's, let's go
1: <laughs> crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought the voice of Mahershala Ali was actually the voice of the Watcher from the What If series. Oh okay, which would okay. have been interesting, but I, I guess it's more of a Blade tie-in. Which yeah. I know nothing about i didn't i didn't watch the original blade so i really don't know anything about the character so that should be interesting
0: yeah blade is blade is really cool uh i really like the original movie the first one um so yeah i'm looking forward to see how he comes into
1: the story yeah well uh any last things about eternals before we kind of wrap this up
0: yeah, you know, I just want to say, uh, I know it sounded like I had a lot of issues with the story and mm-hmm. just not being invested. Uh, but, you know, I I just really want to circle back and end on the note that, like, I still appreciate Eternals for trying something different. Yeah. And um, even though, like, it's not a movie I, I enjoyed, um, I, I think the fact that Marvel and Ken Feige, which is, especially, uh, you know, Marvel and... and is owned by Disney, which is very risk adverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for them to try something like this, I think it was it's very commendable.
1: Yeah, I agree on them taking risks. I love that they've been doing that. I think ever since WandaVision, I feel like every project has been a little different from the usual MCU fare, which is a good. A good sign for us as fans. Um, I liked Eternals more than you, but. Um, fully acknowledge there are issues with it as well so thanks everyone for joining us as we had this discussion about Eternals Uh, we appreciate you staying on all the way through if you can like and subscribe and uh, maybe leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice um, so that we can share the love and and build a bit of a community around this but This has been the Weak and Foolish Movie Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
0: We're not done yet.
1: No. The Supreme Leader is wise.
0: I'm sure you are. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky!